we are back. We are recording. I'm actually sticking to a schedule of, you know, two episodes in consecutive weeks, which is the first time in a long time, as you all know. Um, tonight, I'm going to, well, okay, actually, I'm going to start this off with my always, my warning that I always do. My cat is kind of annoying. God bless her. Love her. Light of my life. But she's playing with her toy right now, and I feel bad. Slash, I'm scared to take it away from her because if I do, then she's probably going to try to jump up on my desk, which is even more annoying. So hopefully this will be a non-issue, but apologies in advance if you hear like rustling in the background. Um, Oh, she's approached. Oh, she's gone back. Okay. Anyway, welcome back. This is Scary Stories to Tell When You're Bored. I am Rachel. Um, I am the host, sometimes joined by guests, sometimes not. Tonight it's going to be me again. Just little old me, and I'm excited for this one because it is a place that I have been to personally in a city that I love and miss every day since I've been there, and that is going to be the Lollery Mansion in New Orleans. Now, New Orleans is famously haunted, like, in general as a city. I think people say it's one of the most haunted cities in America. Uh, they've obviously... They've had a lot of tragedy strike there, Hurricane Katrina being one of many. They've had fires. They've had floods. You know, they've had it all. And they're old. I mean, obviously, they're old, not... They're old compared to the West Coast, not so old compared to other parts in the world. But, you know, just a lot lot of years of sadness going on there. And I think it's safe to say that the Lollery Mansion might be the most haunted mansion in Louisiana. That's what, you know, that's what they say. I don't know who they are, but that is the general word around town. And I'm going to get into a little history now. I don't know if I already said that, but let's get on with it. So brief history, obviously this is not, this isn't going to be a history class, but so French settlers arrived there in 1718 and Napoleon sold the city to the U S in 1803. Now, the main subject of our story enters the picture about 29 years later in 1832 when she buys the land and builds the mansion. And I guess it's important to name the woman. So let's let's do that real quick. Her name is Delphine McCarthy Blanc Lallery. And she was born in 1980, or no, not 1987, 1787 into New Orleans high society. And she was widowed by her first two husbands, which normally I'd feel bad for the woman, but she's a piece of crap. So we don't, Uh, I feel bad for the men from being married to her. And in 1825, she remarried a physician who was much younger than her. And his name was Leonard Louis Nicholas Lollery. Apparently it wasn't, you know, her dream man because Delphine filed a petition for a separation from bed and... You're going to hear my paper, sorry. Bed and board from her husband and claimed that he, quote, treated her in such a manner as to render their living together unsupportable. So, yeah, her son and her two daughters confirmed the, these claims. But, however, the husband was present during the day of the fire in 1834, which is a pivotal moment in this house's history. So, Lollery was a little socialite in New Orleans, always throwing parties, blah, blah, blah. And she had been previously suspected. Well, let's hold on. Let's get in before I get into the fire. Let's do a little brief history of her personality really quickly. So she had been previously suspected of being a cruel and harsh slave owner, um, having people observe her slaves as, quote, uh, singularly haggard and wretched. However, she was polite to them in public, obviously trying to get off, give, not get off, 
yikes, give off the appearance of not being the evil little bitch that she was. My cat is pooping right now. <laughs> so, brief pause, please. Thank you. I think she needs to dig a hole to the other end of the globe right now, though, so. Okay. All right, I think Her Majesty is done with her little um, bathroom trip, so we can carry on with the story. So as I was saying, Lollery might have been polite to these people in public, but behind closed doors, it was a much different situation. There's one really famous story of her, um, and if you go on any ghost tour of the of the city, honestly, you'll probably hear this story, but there was a 12-year-old girl named Leah, L-I-A, so I'm assuming it's Leah. I don't want to disrespect the poor girl and not say it correctly, but... I'm just taking a guess. Um, She was brushing Delphine's hair and she, quote, snagged a knot and that just upset her so much that she started chasing the poor girl with a whip and in her efforts to get away from Delphine or LaLaurie, I don't, whatever, that bitch, she fell to her death off the roof, which is just so sad because she was just brushing her hair and the girl's hair was naughty or not the girl, the woman, the bitch's hair was naughty. Not the girl's fault at all. Like, take care of your fucking self if you don't want someone to have to brush out your knots for you. Um, and all Delphine Lollery had to do was pay a $300 fine. And the girl was buried on the grounds, which I don't know the protocol of um, where slaves were buried, but I'm surprised that she allowed her to be buried on the property. I feel like she would be too insensitive and inhuman to do that. Also, side note, I don't know if it was like the setting of my microphone or just me, but I feel like I like old man, like Herbert the pervert had my S whistle. So apologies if that was annoying because I know sometimes with me when I listen to podcasts, even if I love them, I have to turn them off sometimes if the person speaking does something that annoys me, but maybe I'm just fucking neurotic. It's very possible. But anyway, I digress. Let's get back to the fire of 1834. Also not sure if I said 1934. Clearly we're in the 1800s here. So if I make a mistake, just assume it's 1800s, please. Okay. So in 1834, this bitch was having one of her little socialite soirees and it was stopped abruptly because a fire started consuming the building. And it was, it started in the mansion's kitchen and the quote, it was believed to be the, quote, fault of a slave who was chained to the stove. And this was a 70-year-old 70, 70 woman just chained to the stove, which is so cruel. Just like, like, oh, really? See, Winnie agrees that that was cruel. I don't know if you heard her, but I know. It's awful. Yes. So there, there is um, a theory that the woman started the fire on purpose because I think maybe due to her age, she was about to be sent like upstairs to the attic and she had just heard of the tragedy, which I'll get into a little bit, not, not super detailed, but I'll mention it a little bit. She didn't want that to happen to her. So I think that, um, it's believed that she started the fire on purpose to kind of just, you know, either expose what was going on or end her own life before it got to that, which is just either way, the fact that she would, if she didn't want to die, the fact that she would risk her life to prevent that from happening, or if she did want to die, the fact that she would rather end her life. It's just, it's just awful. I mean, I'm sure you've put this together, but American Horror Story season three, I believe the coven season, amazing season. The first scene of the first episode for me is 
unwatchable and it is based off of this old bitch uh, played by Kathy Bates who plays sidebar. Okay. Kathy Bates can play the most lovable woman, like the woman who takes Jack Dawson under her wing on Titanic or an evil fucking bitch like she does in American Horror Story. So side note, a great season. Uh, Understandable if you would like to fast forward through that first scene because it is truly, it's awful and it's worse watching it knowing that it's based off of true things. Okay. So let's get back on track here. So whether or not it was her intention to expose the family that she was living with, because by the way, it's not just Delphine. It's also her husband, which is why I kind of tip. I keep going back and forth between calling her Delphine or LaLaurie because her husband is also evil. Um, again, I'll mention that a little bit in a little bit when I talk about the attic. Um, but either way, these, um, this fire did expose Delphine because it, the guests at the party were able to see the conditions that she keeps her slaves under. And um, the New Orleans Bee reported that the people responding to the fire ref- were refused keys by the Lollaries. So see him too. Um, while trying to rescue the slaves trapped um, uh, in the slave quarters. So they broke down the doors anyway and found, this is where we get into it. They found seven slaves who were mutilated and quote, supported by the neck with their limbs stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. Um, you know what, actually, let me just, let me just read a quote or not a, well, yeah, a quote from the New Orleans Bee article that was printed when this happened. So just one second. Okay. So the first quote says the conflagration at the house. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the conflagration at the house occupied by the woman LaLaurie is like discovering one of those atrocities, the details of which seem to be too incredible for human belief. End quote. Also, um, just going to quickly correct my last thing. It was suspended by the head, not or, um, yeah, suspended by the neck, not supported by the neck because they would not support anything because they're evil. And then the other quote says, upon entering one of the apartments, the most appalling spectacles spectacle met their eyes. Seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, were seen suspended by the neck. See, there we go. With their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. These slaves were the property of the demon in the shape of a woman. They had been confined by her for several months in the situation from which they had thus pre- providentially been rescued and had been merely kept in existence to prolong their suffering and to make them taste all that the most refined cruelty could inflict end quote and this is from the new orleans b april 11th 1834 so i like i said whether or not it was a woman who started the fire's intention but then clear this when news of these horrors got out an infuriated mob of about 4,000 came and rampaged the house. And by the time the mob was broken up, there was barely anything left. Um, it said like something like scarcely anything but the walls. So they really just like ripped this shit up, which rightly so, because they don't deserve anything. They do not deserve that home. Nothing. So back to the husband, um, he's a doctor. So I, they theorize that these slaves were up there, um, Obviously, I think partially for peer torture, but also partially um, maybe medical experimentation. Uh, not, I think that's. I think that that's what they assume. I'm not sure if that has ever been confirmed. I don't think these people. Well, actually, let's get back to it. So, the the family after this all happened, they fled the scene and they escaped to uh, Alabama first, and then to Europe. France, I think specifically, and that's where Delphine died. I'm not sure about the rest of her shitty little family, 
but not RIP to you, bitch. And her cause, her cause of death is unclear, but one account said she was killed in a boar hunting accident in the 1840s, but they killed, they killed her. Oops. Oh no. I also heard that after, um, these slaves were saved from the fires, I'm not sure if they were, I read something about them being on display so people could come and see for themselves and like what poor condition they were in. And I'm not sure if that was, I mean, I don't know. I feel like maybe they're like, they think that they're like, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. It sounds really fucked up to just put these people on display to see, like for people to just come and look at how, you know, horribly they've been treated. On the other hand, I don't know if they were doing that to like maybe gain some more sympathy for slaves and be like, I don't, I don't believe that though, because you wouldn't have slaves in general. I don't know. It just, I'm not, I don't know. Or if they were being put up for other families, I don't know the details either way. I think it's fucked up. They're not a peep show for anyone. They are people who deserve healthy, happy homes and not to be abused and then put on display for people to come and gawk at. But, um, I think a silver lining to that tactless little maneuver was to bring the atrocities to light. Um, so it didn't slip under the rug, but again, what really good is it going to do at this point when they're no long, when the lolleries are gone and what's done is, has already been done. I'm, I don't know. It's all, it's all really, really just sad for them no matter which way you spin it. So it's, yeah. Sorry if I'm being like stumbly with my words. I don't know how to talk about this subject because I don't want in any way to come across as disrespectful to the victims of this family because they are victims, you know? So I don't know. It's just awful. That's We'll just leave it at that. It's awful. So, okay, we're going to carry on with the story now. So after Lollary ran away, and after the Civil War, the mansion was converted into a school. And um, among other things, it became an affordable housing, a saloon, a store. And it has since been restored to a home again. So now let's get into a famous tenant of the house. Let me grab my Nicolas Cage flashcards, please, that I have prepared. Okay. So Nicolas Cage bought the mansion in 2007 for 35 $3.45 million to quote, write the great American novel, which obviously didn't happen. And if it is, if it has happened, then he's sitting on it and depriving us all of this great, this great writing. Um, and then he ended up, okay. So this is where I'm going to tell my own little story from my experience there. I did a ghost tour, obviously when I went to new Orleans and according to my tour, I don't, I don't know how to source fact check this source, but according to the tour guide, um, apparently Nicholas Cage ended up moving to the house kitty corner from the mansion because he did not like the energy that was going on in that house. And I think maybe this became, this was because around that time that he moved in there, Nicholas Cage, uh, began to face financial trouble and he ended up losing the house two years later. Uh, and it went into foreclosure and, Allegedly, Nicolas Cage believed that he was cursed from living in the mansion, so he bought a pyramid tomb slash mausoleum in the um, the famous St. Louis Cemetery in New Orleans. And this is also where the voodoo queen Marie Laveau, and voodoo, if you haven't been to New Orleans or haven't heard, is a very, very big deal there. Um, I don't know if it's more um, 
I don't, I don't know. To me, when I went there, it seemed very like touristy voodoo, like, you know, but I'm obviously that came from a history of people taking that very seriously. So, and I'm sure people still do take that very seriously. But anyway, uh, Marie Laveau is also buried there and he believed that being buried near her will kind of cleanse him of that curse. So who knows? I don't, but you know, you do you do whatever makes you feel better. Now we're going to get on to the ghost stories of the mansion. Uh, there's about 200 years of paranormal uh, reportings going on there. So I'm just going to give you some, some of the, the more notable ones. So most of the hauntings are believed to be the former slaves that live there and were tortured there, which is understandable. Um, one of the most famous apparitions is reported by passersby on tours claiming to see a young girl falling from the roof, who of course would be Leah, the, the poor little girl who was chased to her death by Delphine. Um, Delphine herself has also been reported peering into the crib of a sleeping baby, which is fucking terrifying. If I, I don't know if, I don't know if if that's like a repressed memory that the baby had and then suddenly remembered, or if, you know, someone saw what they believed to be Delphine peering into their baby's crib, which I don't know which one would be more terrifying, honestly. Um, some believe that, uh, Delphine's presence was summoned quote, uh, from a portrait, no, not from a portrait, but when a portrait um, of her was found because it had been hidden in a chimney. So they think that this like rediscovery of her, I don't know, they think she was attached to that. Um, and then during the time that the mansion was a school, students would come crying to their teachers about scratches and bruises on their arms. And then when asked who did that to them, they would simply say that woman. Um, who that woman is, I think we can assume also it's going to be Delphine because she seems to be a bitter bitch. Uh, one of the rooms in the mansion where slaves were kept and possibly tortured, which we can only assume, has been reported to have moaning sounds. So I think that that also confirms the, the, the theory that it was a torture room. Um, I, so now on to the current owner. I believe that this, is, this person that I'm about to speak of is still the person that lives there. This is what I found when I looked it up. Um, it is an Emmy award winning composer named Michael Whalen, and he bought the house in 2010 for 3.45 million. I think the same price as Nick Cage, but he's the one that bought it after Nicholas moved out. I'm on a first name basis with him now, by the way. And even after a quote, spare, no expense renovation, uh, weird things kept happening in the house. For example, a bathroom faucet would turn on by itself when no one was in the room and a kitchen door would openly or randomly open and close on its own. And then they even had people come in and, um, they, Oh God, that was a horrible noise. I'm really sorry. Um, they had someone come and try to like re-level the door and just nothing, nothing fix it. They, so they believe that it's a haunted issue and not a, um, not like, not like it's an old rundown house, blah, 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 or like something's off and that's what's causing it. They, it's, they've tried to, they've tried to problem solve and it is not, it has not happened. And then we're going to kind of, to my understanding from what I can, you know, put together here, Nicholas Cage had a caretaker and she is still the same caretaker of the house. Not like he didn't have a caretaker that, that it was the house caretaker, um, and she is still the current one or has at least since been in that same position while the current, um, tenant has, is that a tenant? If you own it, the current owner, we'll just say that, uh, was there. So her name is Carol Williams and she has her own, you know, experiences with the house as well as her daughter, Lisa, who, when Nicholas Cage was living there, 
um, she would make his bed and she would leave the room and come back and it would be the imprint of a body on the comforter. And they tried to, you know, refluff it. I believe they took it to like the dry cleaners to see like maybe, maybe it was just like lived in and that's why it was doing that. But also you live under your comforter, not over it. I don't know. But either way, that imprint would keep coming back. So that was another, I don't, I don't know the silhouette of this body. I don't know if it is said to match the body type of Delphine, but maybe it was any of the people who were tortured and killed there. Who knows? Um, but so Carol, the woman that they're both women, the mother, she reports hearing footsteps when no one was home and then would even have the land, the house's landline call her phone when no one was at the house. So who's making these phone calls? You tell me you can't. And another scary story, which I think is maybe the most dramatic. So we'll, we'll leave it with this one. Um, Carol lives, lived or lives. Don't know if she's still there. Um, in an apartment on the property. And she said she was home one night. Um, this is going to be a quote from an article, so not her own quotes, but she was home one night with a friend. When the microwave came on, her door flew open and the TV started playing and her Yorkie began barking uncontrollably towards the bedroom door. And then her cell phone rang and she didn't answer it. I'm sure she probably thought that maybe it was the call was coming from inside the house. You know, I don't know, but I would love to talk to that woman. She has probably experienced so much there. Um, God, I, I wish that you could tour the inside. I wish that it was like a national like landmark or historical landmark. Doesn't, I don't know what the difference is between national and historical. There might not be one. I'm probably sounding dumb, but you know what? I'm tired. So forgive me. Anyway, I wish you could go in. Unfortunately, it is still private property. I'm sure I feel like it has to eventually be opened up to the public. I don't know. But in the meantime, still a very, very, like, when you're there, I don't know. I have I did a night tour because obviously you're not going to do a ghost tour in the day. Oh, well, you will, but I did not. It was also a bar crawl. So that was another reason why it was nighttime, I'm sure. I'm just remembering this. Anyway, when you're there, it is, it, it was foggy that night, and it just was such a, like you could feel its presence. I, that sounds corny. Even if I didn't know it was haunted, I would probably think that it was. It just like, it's, it's ominous. Like it kind of, I don't know. I'm going to post a picture that I took there, um, up with this episode, by the way, the Instagram is a uh, scary board pod. I also have a Twitter, but I don't really use that one. So we'll stick to Instagram for now. Um, it's just, it's crazy. And apparently people are afraid to walk underneath the, um, like on the sidewalk underneath the house. Apparently like bad things happen to people who have done that, like getting hit by cars or something like that. I don't know. This tour was a few years ago. I would love to go back to New Orleans and do a more like mansion centric tour or just, I mean, I was paying attention because I was truly interested, but like I said, it was also a bar crawl. I don't know what level of intoxication I was what stop number this was on the tour. But, um, also, like I said, it was two or three years ago. Maybe it was, it was two years ago, but you know what? This last year has felt like 15. So who fucking knows? I highly recommend it though. Even you can walk there on your own. You don't have to obviously do a tour. Uh, you can walk and listen to this episode. Wouldn't that just be so precious? Um, I also, I think because I love New Orleans so much, in general, I'm going to try to find more 
stories that have enough of a history to do an episode on. I know last week I did a little quickie episode on the Annabelle doll, and I do like that. If you like short episodes, let me know. Um, I just don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm not like trying because whether or not it comes off like I do research on this or like it feels like it's put together quickly, it's really not. I really do try to like, I really do try to, you know, put in some substantial effort into these episodes. I'm just a nervous idiot. So when I talk, I probably just sound dumb because I'm under pressure, but I digress. Anyway, I think that we're going to just finish it off there. Finish it off on me calling myself dumb again, scary board pod. And like I said, last episode, and I'll probably say in almost every episode, and I'm really sorry, but if you could rate and review, that's the same thing. No, it's not. If you could rate it and write a review and subscribe to this podcast, it would really help. And I would really appreciate it. And also any feedback you want to give, please be delicate. I'm a sensitive woman, but if you have any recommendations, I am open. I want to hear it. If you have your own stories, send it in scary board pod on Instagram, slide into the DMS. All right. I will bid thee farewell now. Goodbye.